Howdy, howdy. Howdy. And welcome to But It Was Aliens, the extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe anything that looks like it needs a probe. We aren't selective here. If you see something that needs a probe, let us know. I'm your host today, Kevin the Grey, and besides me is my partner in extraterrestrial mystery, Granville Moonwalker. And today, we are going European. What does that mean? We're covering a case in Europe. Okay. It's not like we're going Brazilian. That's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking. (laughs) Is there a European style of pubic hair? I've got the European. I don't know. Hmm. That's a thinker. (laughs) I don't don't know why I'm thinking when I just said I don't know. We are travelling to 1955 today. But we aren't just travelling in time, oh no, no. We are travelling in space. Well, across Earth's seas, to be precise. (coughs) Say hello to Sweden! Hi, Sweden. And say hello to Ed Komarek. Hi, Ed. Komarek. Komarek. (laughs) A man who would ask his readers to share this story widely and freely because he didn't care about publicity. Okay. I feel we're starting on the right foot here. <laughs> but aha! This story isn't about Comorek. Comorek himself stumbled across the story of John Fontaine in an article our friends over at UFO Insight name as the creatively titled Humanoid Dies in Sweden by John Fontaine. Just to clarify, this article is reported on a lot of websites, not just our buddies there. Galactic, The Fern Flower Group, Mysterious Universe, Alien Expanse, UFO Universe Magazine, UFO Digest. You get the picture. It's out there. All our sources are quite similar. Ooh. So we have a lot of different people covering this. Mm-hmm. Have they covered it or have they just seen the story and posted it or <laughs> put it in their book? Rather than actually investigating it. I've been loose with the term covered, I'll admit. (laughs) (laughs) They've all had an article on it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm not in. Okay. Shall I continue? You can. So Fontaine, the honourable and trustworthy... I immediately do not trust this guy. (laughs) I don't know why, sir. And for some long-term listeners... You would understand why. It's like, <laughs> but it was aliens bingo. The key word has been said. <laughs> Are you just going to go, I call bullshit straight away? I'll wait. Uh, so, I <laughs> call bullshit. I haven't even started the story yet. <laughs> Although I have a feeling that you've put that there on purpose. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Uh-huh. So yeah, for Christ's <laughs> sake, Fontaine, the honourable and trustworthy, was at a UFO exhibition in Charlottenborg, Sweden, called Love and Chaos. Love and sources. I know. Yeah, I thought of him. This exhibition was almost a convention, consisting of lectures and pictures of UFOs and aliens. It was the kind of thing we get invited to now, but sorry, folks, we're just too busy. You had any invites yet? No. No, me neither. Being international men of mystery who definitely no longer work for the MI. MIB. (laughs) (laughs) It's busy business. (laughs) (laughs) MIBG. I 
Je môj píčís. Jesus, the Evan Black. Evan Black. I can't speak. Uh, I'll see what I can do. You come the MRBGs. <laughs> Any thoughts so far? <laughs> no, I'm totally lost. Okay, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> MRBGs fucking throwing me. Let us go to the lecture hall. The lecture hall was packed. There were tens of people in that place. <laughs> Lots of school children too. I still read that as tons. <laughs> Fontaine, in attendance himself, noticed one chap in particular standing out somewhat. The gentleman appeared to be approximately 60 years old and was paying extreme close attention to one part of the lecture whereby humanoids were discussed. Literally, Every time they mentioned humanoids, the older chap became visibly more attentive. So we have the MIPGs. Yes. No. <laughs> so I don't know where I was when I wrote this one. <laughs> so tens of people mm-hmm. in that place, lots of school children, and a 60 year old man. Yeah. Was he a teacher or was there a school trip to this place i don't think it was either i think imagine if you were a few years back and in the town center they were advertising an alien convention of sorts coming up kids are just going to attend okay and we got the weird not necessarily say it was weird but you got the gentleman he stands Every- out, and we don't really know why. Is he taller than everyone else? Is it just the fact that there's loads of kids and there's a six-year-old man? That's why he stands out. But then he becomes attentive every time the word humanoid is still said. <laughs> so either he's really interested in humanoids, or... He's really interested in humanoids. Yeah, that's, that's all I've got at the much. moment. <laughs> we, we took a long time to get to that point, didn't we? So Fontaine felt fascinated by the gentleman. What? Wait. Why is he fascinated by this guy? He doesn't know. Simply because this guy gets is there and there's something about him when he hears the word humanoid. So I'm not sure if that's the reason, or whether he's just naturally drawn to him and he's noticed that because he's looking at him. What he's noticed his boner. Now he got aroused. He got attentive. <laughs> I'm not for a second saying that he got aroused around school children, but I can't say that he didn't because I wasn't there. <laughs> that is. But yeah, Fontaine was fascinated. 
Fontaine just could not help himself. But he couldn't. He found himself walking over to the man, almost on autopilot. Fontaine's body yearned to be near the mysterious man. The men introduced themselves and casual chat ensued. Just general chit-chat. However, once the man realised Fontaine was genuinely interested in what he had to say, the tone changed. This mysterious man was about to drop a deuce. A verbal deuce. A truth deuce. (laughs) This man was about to take us back to 1955. What year was this? It was the late 80s or early 90s, but I don't know exactly when the convention was. I did say at the start we're going back to 1955, but then I said it's the late 80s or early 90s. Okay, so a truth deuce. Truth deuce is coming, son. I suppose you would have to go with the term truth deuce. (laughs) Because you couldn't call it shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or turd. Or poo. Deuce doesn't sound as shit (laughs) as the rest. Doesn't denote a negative. So he's dropping a deuce of truth. Let's see where this truth deuce leads us. Down the sewer. The mysterious man remains nameless. So I'm going to name him for the sake of our listeners being able to tell who we are talking about. I shall name him Godfrey the Mysterious. Godfrey, for sure. Glad you weren't with Godfrey. I was expecting my name to come out as soon as you said he doesn't have a name. No, Godfrey. So Bruce said that he was working as a lumberjack in the Gulf of Bothnia, working that wood. Hot, sweaty work. Bothnia, by the way, is of course in Sweden. Whilst Bruce was getting hot and sweaty with two other big, sweaty, hot men ploughing down that wood, the three hot, sweaty men handling wood heard what can only be described as an animalistic sound thrashing through the bush. If this was an animal, this was going to be a big animal. Have you started writing your ideal porno? No. You're getting very descriptive. Why are you fixating on porn? I didn't mention anything to do with porn. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm asking you if you're big, hot, sweaty men. It's hard work. Of course they're going to sweat. Why are you thinking porn? I thought you meant hard work in you writing it. You perverse bastard. So this big animal. Yeah. Going Bigfoot. We've discussed before, haven't we? I can't remember when, but our suggestion that maybe Bigfoot is an alien? Either that or people are rustling around in the bushes. Doing what? Who knows? (laughs) Getting hot and sweaty. Bushwork. Bushwhackers. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe they were other lumberjacks. Maybe, they maybe. They were just louder and working harder <laughs> than the others. These three men were hard lumberjacks, so they weren't rattled per se. But the men did rise alert. The three lumberjacks stood to attention. They looked around and literally seconds later, they saw a cigar-shaped object swerving in and out of the surrounding forest. You did not think this was going cigar-shaped, did you? How big was this object? Mm, we we don't know at this point. Because if it's swerving in and out of a forest, it's yeah. going to have to be quite small. You'd think so, to wouldn't swerve you? 
in and out of a forest. I don't want to give away what happens next by going further on that question. Fair it is. So cigar-shaped objects swerving. And do you think that's possibly why the sound in the bush, maybe it's like the animals shitting themselves? And legging it. Hmm. But then, wouldn't they have heard, like, the squeal or the screams of the animals as they run? Because even if they're shocked, deers, bears, warthogs, etc. would still let off some kind of sound, which you would think would be recognisable. Yeah, maybe. Rather than just rustling bushes and stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to be really like, poignant and articulate there. <laughs> mm, stuff. Bruce, at first, thought that he was watching a crashing airplane whose wings had been stripped as it hurtled through the trees. The airplane appeared to be attempting to make an emergency landing. It hurtled through the trees towards a nearby river, and so Bruce and his hot, butch, beefy men followed the airplane. Seconds later, it hit the ground close to the water, but there was no sound, no explosion, nothing, except a brilliant flash of light, so brilliant in fact that it blocked out the sun's own light. Not only did it block out the sun, Momentarily afterwards, the three lumberjacks could see through, literally see through, the surrounding trees. The whole place had turned into an X-ray. X-ray vision! As you know, an X-ray is literally electromagnetic radiation with short wavelengths that can pass through items. Radiation. Alien technology? What are you thinking at this point? I was literally thinking when... You mentioned they could see through everything. Radiation. Mm-hmm. It was like a it, an explosion of radiation, except it was silent. Hmm. Like an explosion from a different energy source. Hmm. Interesting. So it went towards the water. Yes. Does it go up or into the water, or just towards it? I've got a little bit more. Okay. If it goes up, it literally could be... Yeah, because if it's going to go down, you would hear the water, essentially. Or even if it goes across. What if that burst is thrusters? Mmm. Like reverse so, thrusters trying to land. Not necessarily land, unless the craft does land. Or to try and go up. Mmm. Okay. And it's that bright light, they've literally seen it, and it's now effed with their vision. And they've all become X-Men. Mm-hmm. For now. Things got stranger still. Next, a vacuum would develop, pulling everything towards the centre of the bright light. As the three honourable, hot, sweaty lumberjacks watched on, they had to stand firm and hold on to whatever was around them to stop themselves being pulled into this vacuum. Branches were flying past their faces being sucked in, but the lumberjacks were not to be sucked. All sound had ceased as the sucking was taking place, but no sooner had the sucking begun. (laughs) It was all over and the light vanished. Now that the sucking was over, the men took a moment to gather themselves. They then headed towards the direction of the crash. So, 
these three men weren't sucked off. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> they were not sucked, no. Um, because you mentioned earlier they are trustworthy, I don't believe this bullshit, <laughs> but I'm going to run with it for now. Mm-hmm. The bright light is some form of energy source. Mm-hmm. But then would it be strong enough to create a vacuum? We're talking about technology we don't know. Well, is it technology we don't know? If this is bullshit, then it's not. So either a different dimension has been created in that place. That Ooh. thing has flown through that dimension, which is the bright light causing the tear of fabric. Like, like a wormhole. And then they're all blinded. Then as it's closing, it's the vacuum is pulling Ooh, yeah. all shit around it in. And then, obviously, because you can't hear it, or you can't hear anything because of that tear. The vacuum has taken mm-hmm. all sound in, perhaps. And then it closes. Everything ceases. Mm. So I am taking back the notion of the ship going up and the thrusters and it tearing a We're going for interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. Mm. As the men approached the area... To their surprise, there was no sign of wreckage. Nothing. The men looked at each other, wondering as they locked eyes whether the sucking had all been in their imagination. But then, one of the lumberjacks noticed something unusual and shouted out, He's a dwarf dressed in uniform! And where did he come from? Did... Oh, fuck. Lord of the Rings? Did he hop out the ship? Maybe he was too heavy. They needed to shift some weight, so they chucked him out. Or he was literally standing there and he's from a nearby village and the same thing happened to him and he happened to get pulled towards it. But a uniformed dwarf. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just came past, came by to see what the commotion was. Maybe he lived in the forest. Like an underpants gnome, but in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going with ship caused a rift and went through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to come up with other explanations as to anything else that appears. So, this dwarf is an underpants gnome. <laughs> <laughs> so, as some of you may have guessed, it quickly became obvious to the men that the little Ewok was the pilot of the downed vehicle that may have made it to the water after all. The pilot, for want of a better term had managed to escape his downed craft, and Bruce realised that the bright light was actually the ejection technology. The three lumberjacks crowded round the little Ewok. Oh, did I not say? The little chap wasn't in a good way. They were laying on the ground. So little chap has gone from one to multiple? No, I just deemed it they because I didn't Uh... want to put a gender on it. Fair enough. And I didn't want to call it it, which I've now done anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ewok 1 was laying on the ground mm-hmm. in a bad way. Yeah. Okay, so maybe... As the men came upon it. The ship did I go into... I keep calling the, it it now, gosh damn it. ...did go into the water, and like you said... Maybe. But then... So there's something that's come from a ship. They just haven't seen the ship. Ejection technology which would cause the radiation and a vacuum... Mm. Self-defense. What if it blew the ship up itself? Ooh. Why would it do that? As a defense mechanism. 
so that that others, makes a weird kind of sense. Others can't have the technology that they have to travel. Yeah, how they travel. yeah. Maybe it's like a scout or reverse and, engineer to get back to where it's from, which we know that humans love to do. Mm-hmm. We see you, Area Fifty One. The longer this goes on, the more I'm come up coming up with rational explanations <laughs> as to it's what we do. What could happen? <laughs> But you've said it's trustworthy. So? <laughs> so I'm inclined not to trust him. <laughs> I'll be honest, there's nothing in this account to suggest that it was an Ewok, but they are such inherently good and helpless little creatures, and I wanted to tug at your heartstrings to guilt you into saying it was aliens. Anyway, they gathered around the body. The little uniformed figure was approximately four feet tall, and around their body there is a white aura. Like, you know how Rick James had an orange aura? This little pilot had that, but in white. The white light appeared to be vibrating. So obviously, with the body motionless, they realised it was dead. And so one of the lumberjacks reached out to touch the little pilot's skin. Suddenly, the pilot awoke and moved away. The pilot screamed in perfect Swedish. Do not touch me! It will only bring you difficulties! Hmm. So he has tech which can translate to the place it is at. Potentially, either that or it's a Swedish pilot. Or it's bullshit. <laughs> um, hey, 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 hey. Hey. <laughs> I was about to say, the body lay motionless. Yeah, they thought they it was dead. it was dead. Well, it was just knocked out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or playing dead, another defence mechanism. <laughs> playing possum. <laughs> Is this a little possum that's been dressed in uniform? Who knows? But it can speak Swedish. Maybe it has a tag or something strapped to its neck with a little microphone. Maybe. Or Maybe. speaker. Yeah. Someone else is controlling it and speaks out. Mm. Someone's testing <laughs> a <laughs> remote-controlled possum. <laughs> Seeing how gullible Swedish people are. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was weird that it's saying, don't touch me, it will bring you difficulties. Like, is it poisonous? Is it a skunk? Maybe it has some kind of acid defence mechanism. <laughs> We're loving defence mechanisms <laughs> today. Or some spikes come out and just yeah. stab them. The lumberjacks simply stared at the pilot, shocked for several seconds. The pilot appeared to wait for the three hot, sweaty men to come to terms in their minds with what they were witnessing before saying now you know who i am did i need to go scottish again there yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> and i was also wondering how, at what point does he mention who he is or who it is suddenly the lumberjacks all became extremely calm almost like they had been jedi mind tricked the men looking at the pilot realised that it wasn't a dwarf. The pilot was buff. It had big, broad shoulders and yellow skin. The front teeth were flattened wide. The ears of this individual connected at the bottom to the neck, almost like a shark's fin. The eye, meanwhile, were deep and black with no surrounding white sclera. The pilot was pretty banged up. Whilst it didn't go down in the crash, it still hit the ground pretty hard. The pilot kept trying to smile at them as if to say, Don't worry chaps, I'll be okay. When in reality, 
they had hit that ground hard. The pilot had deep wounds on their chin and forehead and bruising all over. Did this pilot have red markings on its cheeks? Mm, Not that I know of. Does it have a tail? Can it shoot electricity? (laughs) Is this buff Pikachu? Buff detective Pikachu. (laughs) This thing can talk. Or it's the evolution. It's Raichu. It's Raichu's evolution. Pilot Chew. Ooh. Jedi mind trick powers. Yes. Is this an Abra? A giant buff Abra. Ooh. Where's this? No. A pilot Abra. Kadabra. Alakazam. Alakazam would have had the moustache, which they would have... Commented upon. Yeah. Mm. So is this a Kadabra? Because Pokemon's real. Yes. Hmm. I mean, I can't really confirm what it is because it's just a yellow thing. Or did someone paint a Machamp? (laughs) Yellow. So we've established that it's definitely a Pokemon of some variety, (laughs) but there are about 7,000 to choose from. That there are. So ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Sold. The pilot's uniform was a red metal and it appeared literally stuck on its body. The pilot's head and hands were on show, but everything else was covered by this reddish material, not unlike that described in the Valiant Thor case. Bruce, meanwhile, found himself looking at the pilot's feet. The pilot's shoes were ribbed like a condom and appeared to vibrate like a cock ring. Bruce thought... It may be like the treads on a tank whereby the pilot wouldn't have to walk. As Bruce thought this, the pilot gave Bruce a clear nod as if to say, That's right. The pilot also had a shiny belt with a glowing buckle, but the purpose remained unknown. You are going hard on the innuendos today, aren't you? And just, what you're talking just about. the straight up. This is just your average ribbed condom and vibrate like a cock ring. Name something else that vibrates. Exactly. <laughs> First thing that came to mind was a dildo. Yeah, there you go. So if anything, I'll try to avoid the obvious <laughs> innuendo and keep this one clean for the kids. Puh. <laughs> so he's got tank feet. <laughs> Did they actually see him move like a tank, or did he walk normally? He's on the floor, really, isn't he? Oh, so he hasn't got up yet. He's just told... Well, he moved away from He him. moved away, but I don't know whether he got up and moved, or he rolled sort of thing. Did he do that back shuffle? <laughs> he moonwalked. <laughs> okay. The dwarf tank. Mm-hmm. The dwank. And he, and he has psychic abilities. It appears so, yeah. A psychic dwarf tank. Mm-hmm. Pretty formidable opponent, one may say. I mean... It's like odd job, he's too low to shoot. You can imagine the kind buff, of tech he must like have. Like odd job. If he needs to destroy it before people can get hold of it. Mmm. some good tech. Mmm. But how's he planning on getting off this world? Well, at this point, I don't know if he does. He's looking pretty poorly, isn't he? He is indeed. The lumberjacks were aware the pilot was hurt. There was no hiding it. The pilot then said to them, 
It is because of the clothing I can stay with you a while. Internally, I am destroyed. I've got Welsh now. <laughs> Should not drink before recording. <laughs> uh, the pilot pulled a rectangle <laughs> item out of their pocket and pressed a few buttons, almost like using a stylus to write on a tablet computer, before throwing it away. The pilot then said to the lumberjacks to leave it, as they had set it so that their colleagues would not come looking for them. As the pilot said this to the lumberjacks, the pilot was clearly in a lot of pain, rifing and occasionally appearing asleep as it gathered its energy. Bruce looked over the pilot, but noticed his two lumberjack friends were walking away in unison. Bruce thought, by the way, that they did that. The idea had been placed in their mind to do so. Once they left, the, let's call it an alien at this point, spoke to Bruce for two freaking hours. So, I'm just going to butt in here. This thing that could barely mutter a sentence and was yep. gathering, gathering its energy. Was doing so for a two hour chat, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Bruce wouldn't tell most of the details to Fontaine. The alien did, however, give a bag to Bruce and asked that once they had passed away for the lumberjacks to place the alien in the bag and carry them to a river where the alien would disappear before the men then wash themselves. The alien was insistent that they wash lest they become profoundly unwell and also that they did as the alien asked to keep the alien's existence a secret. Wow, he's clearly fucked that last yeah, bit, hasn't he's he? he's told it to Fontaine, kept it for many years. I suppose they have to watch just in case there's some contamination. Yeah, I guess so. Ewok one. It's actually quite reasonable in some ways, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd tell them to do it afterwards. You wouldn't tell them, go wash and then come back and... But the fact they're even it. telling them to go wash, that's quite a specific and believable detail. Maybe it's because they smelt because they were... Outside doing sweaty lumberjack stuff. <laughs> Maybe he just couldn't <laughs> take the stench, and he was actually going in the water to evolve into a fish. Gyarados. <laughs> I said most of the details. Bruce did tell Fontaine a couple of things. One, that the pilot came from a constellation we called the Eagle. Two, several alien races have and continue to this day to visit Earth. Three, some of these alien races keep watch of Earth, as well as taking samples of soil and food, like those hairy Venezuelan dwarfs who had the test tubes and piles of dirt before Gonzales and Ponce tried to abduct them. That's the first thing I thought of yeah. when I said take soil and food. <laughs> I love it when these cases connect together. Some species intend to settle on Earth in the future, Finally, Bruce was told that some of the creatures we perceive as aliens actually materialise on our world from a parallel universe orbiting the Earth. So, rather than travelling through space, they hop between dimensions. That's been spoke of before. Mm -hmm. They live on a fourth and fifth dimension rather than coming from space. Mm -hmm. I've not heard of the constellation the Eagle myself. It's not one I'm familiar with, no. 
Have you looked it up to see if it's real? Hell no! (laughs) (laughs) So we've got several races. We have the Venezuelan dwarfs. I'm taking it is also talking about greys. Well, you guess so, don't you? But he didn't specify, so it's quite open to interpretation. True. That is true. Reptilians, draconians. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you mean a cricket pervert, motherfuckers? <laughs> All the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. The blue suits. I'm going to call them the blue suits from now on. Whenever any motherfucker turns up in a probe with their blue suits. The blue suits, the shiny suits. Yes, I'm going to call them the blue suits. The blues brothers. The, the red suits. Am <laughs> <laughs> <And> I <my> Bee Gees? <laughs> Towards the end of the two-hour conversation, the alien's breathing became laboured. The white aura surrounding the body faded. The alien appeared to begin praying to themselves. Now think about that. Praying. That means aliens, with the capability to visit to other planets and possibly galaxies, pray to someone or something. Hmm. Anyway, all went silent as the pilot drew their last breath before, sadly, passing away. Bruce, with his meaty friends, did as instructed and picked up the bag. The bag stunk. It smelt of sulphur and burned their hands as the lumberjacks touched it. With the body inside, once the bag touched the water, it began bubbling and five minutes later, everything had dissolved. There was nothing left. Maybe he wasn't praying and was communicating. Maybe. Long distance. Maybe. But, ooh. Ooh? Once the bag touched water, completely dissolved. Yeah. Wipes all trace. Mm-hmm. What if they hadn't done what he asked? And kept him. Mm. Then they got ill. Or... Ill. Did he compel them? I compel you. I do wonder, yeah. To do this. I reckon there was some compelling going on. The power of alien compels you. So it died. Mm-hmm. We have no evidence. Uh-huh. We just have to take the word of Bruce and his meaty friends. Correct. Not doing it. Bruce told Fontaine that following the incident, the three lumberjacks barely spoke despite continuing to work together. What do you say after something like that? But Bruce would reveal to Fontaine one final piece of information. Well, evidence, if you will. Bruce placed his hand into his pocket and pulled out a small piece of metal. Bruce said that a few days after the crash, he returned to the area and found this small piece of metal on the ground which shined like nothing he had known. Known. (laughs) So he knew it was from the alien. It was part of the device the alien tossed away, the stylus part. Bruce held onto this metal for proof only to himself as to what he had experienced. Then, Bruce got up and disappeared into the crowd. Bruce wasn't interested in attention or financial gain. He told his credible story to one person, and that was enough for him. There we have it. That's the story. 
So he did not hold up his end of the bargain with the alien. He told someone. Told one person, yeah. Which is then in turn told others. Yeah. So this bullshit story is out there. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 the whoa, whoa. piece of metal yeah. could literally just be a piece of metal. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I've got alien metal. Or it could just be the blade of a Stanley knife. So... Mm. And we have no... So his name was Bruce. Yeah. Does he have a last name? Mm, I named him. He was nameless. Remember? Oh. That, mm, I like the way that the whole time I <laughs> I said I was going to name him Godfrey and I just started calling him Bruce. <laughs> you didn't even comment I on didn't. it. <laughs> you just accepted it. Accepted the name change, but don't accept the story. Yes, you do. I like that you've accepted that Bruce actually exists and that Fontaine wasn't just bullshitting completely. I was about to ask it. Hence <laughs> <laughs> why I asked if there was a surname for him. Fontaine? No. Oh, Bruce. The nameless person. Yeah. yeah. And then Bruce. He said he was nameless. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. So, has Fontaine tried to gain <laughs> any money um, or notoriety from this? He's put the story out and that's kind of it. Has he put a book out? I haven't seen a book, no. Almost everyone that's covered it has covered it almost exactly the same. I suppose. So I reckon it probably came up in one magazine first and then all the others took that to then report on it themselves. Maybe he doesn't want the money. He just wants to live on in infamy. Maybe. So if you put the story out, Maybe his he's a name, UFO nut. That... His name is forever out there now with this story no one knows the name of anyone else well to be fair it was um wasn't even fontaine was it it was comarek who fontaine told the story to and fontaine was told by the nameless person so we've got a right little chain going here Mm. so people who want their names (laughs) to be remembered so did comarek want his name remembered and so he made up fontaine and in turn Bruce. Fontaine has become, well, to be fair, in this story, it's become more of the name. Yeah, than yeah, he's kept his own name out of it. So he's remaining more credible in that he's only sharing someone else's story, when actually he could have just been the creator of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or it could be real. Is there anything else we're going to find out here? So to summarise, <laughs> we've had Comarek highlight a story from Fontaine, who had a chance meeting with a mysterious chap we called godfrey and then bruce at a ufo convention of sorts bruce had an aura around him drawing fontaine in and once the two got chatting bruce relayed an astonishing real story bruce along with two other men was working as hot sweaty lumberjacks when they witnessed a down cigar shaped object falling from the sky as it crashed there was no sound but an x-ray of light The men would stumble upon a dying alien who communicated with them in Swedish before asking the men to bury him in a special bag. The alien spoke to Bruce for two hours about lots of things including Earth being watched by several alien species. The alien then passed away and the lumberjacks buried him as he wished. Bruce didn't need fame or attention and ended up telling his story privately to Fontaine in his later years before again disappearing along with his metallic evidence. Anything you want to go over before you conclude that this is definitely aliens? Hmm? 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 
Not really. I think we've... We know where this is going. Yeah, Truth. we've had mm-hmm. all we can get out of this story. I don't really have any more questions other than... What were you thinking when you wrote it? Were you I was trying to tailor it towards your interest to get you on board. Sweaty men. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I got you on board. <laughs> got you really, really interested. <coughs> Are you saying that if it was aliens? I am saying this is a pile of bullshit. <laughs> Steamy pile of bullshit. <laughs> Steamy, sideways <laughs> pile of bullshit. Damn it! Um, I don't can't, believe. Can't say that I'm shocked. One second that this is real. There's just no evidence mm. at all. It's just hearsay. Yeah. Well, personally, I'm not saying that it was aliens. But. But this file is one of those ones where literally 30 seconds in, I just knew that it was utter bullshit. I knew I had no chance of convincing you. There's simply no evidence. It's told third hand by people with an interest in aliens. But it was still an interesting probe. Comerick is a UFO researcher. He didn't make up the story himself, but came across this story from Fontaine, which was translated to English from Swedish. By asking people to share this story... Comrec is no doubt getting a little rub of the action, but we can't knock him because he didn't write the story. Fontaine, meanwhile, is nowhere to be seen. Fontaine hasn't made any money from this as far as can be determined. He just shared the story, most likely with UFO magazine originally. So there is at least a sliver, a real tiny sliver of credibility in that nobody is seeking to make money with this one. Meanwhile, despite having said all of that, I still found it a little sad when the little alien person died as I was reading it. <laughs> I was like, no, I was hoping he's going to make a recovery and get away. But yeah, there's just something inherently sad about a little alien visitor coming along, meaning us no harm and crashing before passing away. But there we go. Any final thoughts? No. Nah. <laughs> like you said, I got nothing. you had no chance of yeah. <laughs> getting me on board with that. And the more I've thought about it as we've been doing this one today, the more I've thought that this UFO research has got a vested interest in convincing people that aliens are real, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. yeah, probably slightly biased there as well. But hey-ho, that's today's show. Thank you one and all for listening to our podcast. But it was aliens. If you'd like to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Podchaser, we'd absolutely love you for it. Ooh, the things I'd do for you. Or if you have some constructive feedback for us, slide in our DMs on social media because we do want to improve. You can find us on the Twitter and Facebook. Ooh, I got in there first, son. At, but it was aliens. On the Twitter! <laughs> but it was aliens. Probe us. But until next time we probe together, here's a question for you. What happens to Pinocchio's nose if he says that he is telling a lie. If in doubt, the truth is up there. Hashtag pro.